John 15. Let us travel back one more time to John 15 together. As we go there, we step into the room of the Last Supper with Jesus and his disciples. John 15. We're going to verse 18. John 15, 18. The room of the Last Supper with Jesus and his disciples. Why is it called the Last Supper, guys? Yep, absolutely. This is the last meal that they eat together before Jesus goes to the cross. This is 24 hours. The traditional view is this is one day before Jesus goes to the cross to bear the sins and become the sins of all mankind. Imagine the emotion of our Lord. Jesus had limited time to prepare his disciples for his leaving. He had been with them for almost three years, and it was now time to go. Training time was over, time to take the training wheels off. But before he leaves, and they can't follow him, before he leaves and takes the training wheels off of their Christianity, he needs to teach them some important lessons. And one of those is what we're going to talk about today. If the world hates you, and Jesus' preparation for his departure, he needed his disciples to be prepared to be hated by those they would try to help. He wanted them to brace for the impact and not get shocked by it. The disciples were about ready to be hated by people that they would minister to. And Jesus wanted to prepare them. It's like being in a car accident almost. When you get hit from behind and you're not expecting it and your body's kind of like a noodle. You know what I'm talking about? It's just like it hits you a lot harder. But if you can brace for the impact, it doesn't hurt you as much. You know what I mean? Or if you're playing football and you know a hit is coming, you can brace yourself. It doesn't hurt as much. But if you're just like standing there and you're just a noodle and you're just, a, you're just like a limp noodle, it hurts a lot more. You guys get what I'm saying? Jesus is wanting his disciples to be prepared to be hated. As we look at John 15, 18 and the verses that follow, we must remember that the great instruction that Jesus gave to keep his commandment to love each other is contrasted directly by the world's hate for them. Before we move on to this week's lesson, let me reemphasize again that we don't just need to love each other as believers just because God said so. And by the way, that's a great reason. God is the authority. He's my authority. He's your authority. And you know why I need to obey God? Because God said so. Whoever had someone say, because I said so. That's a, that's a good reason. If they're an authority, that's, that's a good reason. And God, if he says something, we should just obey him because he said so. But there's another good reason. Why do I need to love my brothers and sisters? And why do they need to love me? Because if I'm going to be the outcast in the world, willingly, by the way, Bible talks about in Hebrews how Christ went outside the gate to be crucified for my sins. And it says, let us also go outside the gate. Let us leave the world behind. Let us leave sinful men and sinful things behind. And let us willingly be outcasts. Let us go follow him up Calvary's mountain and put our own selves on a cross. Not physically, but spiritually. Our own will and our own determination. And live kind of differently. And live differently than the world lives. And willingly... Be an outcast because Christ has called us to it. And that's what he had to do when he died for us. We need to love each other because we need each other's love. If I'm going to be an outcast, i got to have some place where I feel acceptance. 
I got to have some place where I feel love. And that ought to be the church. And I said, that ought to be the church that we come here. And the world hates us out there because we're following Christ. We're living for Christ. We're preaching Christ. And because we do that, Jesus said, the world will hate us. But I want to come in here with people who are also doing the same thing I'm doing. They're preaching Christ. They're living Christ. They're worshiping Christ. They're talking to Christ. And they're living a Christ-like life. And I want to come and be around my brothers and sisters. And we get around the family table eating the living bread. And we spend time together, shake hands, laugh, love each other, sing songs of worship to our Lord together. And we can be a family together. Cole, yes. Say you go to school, right? Sure. And there's a whole bunch of like non-Christian people. Yeah. They want to treat you like a piece of trash. Yeah, that's how it is. But we're going to learn why they do that. We're going to do kind of some psychological understanding that Jesus lets us into. Okay? As we live for Jesus and serve him as true disciples, we will become the outcasts of the world. We need a place where we are loved and accepted, and that should be the family of God. John 15, 18. Let's get into it. If the world hates you, if the world hate you, if the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. Pause, time out. Before we go any further tonight, we must know something. Who is the world and who is the you? If the world hate you, well, who's the world and who is you? Let's go back to the basics here. The world, when we say the world in these verses, we're not talking about this planet that we're living on. We're not talking about uh, the system even that the devil has. We're talking about lost humanity, unsaved humanity. That is the world that Christ died for, and they hated him in turn. That world, the one that Christ died for, and they chose to reject him, that, that's the world that we're talking about in this passage. And the you, look at verse 19. If that's where it's defined. The you is defined in verse 19. If ye were of the world... The world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Who does the unsaved humanity, who does the world love? They love the unsaved. It's their family. It's the same family that they're living in. Family loves each other, and the unsaved loves the unsaved. Who does unsaved humanity hate? The world hates those who are believers in Jesus Christ and who are also the servants of Jesus Christ. These disciples were called to salvation and then called to serve Jesus and the world hated them for it. Why would the world hate Jesus' servants just for being his servants? Verse 20, Jesus is going to explain it. Remember the word that I said? Remember what I told you guys? The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. What does that mean, Brother Alex? That you can't get better than Jesus, right? Amen? You can't get you can't get lovelier than Jesus. You can't get better. You can't get nicer. You can't get kinder than Jesus. Jesus is as good as it gets. And Jesus says, remember that. That the servant is not greater than his Lord. They're, they're going to put me on a cross. They're, they persecute me. At one point, they picked up stones and they were going to stone Jesus. But he escaped. That if you guys see me and I'm getting treated this way and you're choosing to follow me. 
If you've put your faith in me, talking about Jesus, put your faith in me and you are following me in my steps as my disciples, don't think that you're any better than me. You can't get more talent. You can't be a better communicator than Jesus was. Can't be more talented. He's trying to keep these disciples from deceiving themselves and thinking, well, Jesus was just really, you know, antagonistic. Jesus said some really hard things. Maybe this is what's going through. I'll, maybe I'm a little different. Maybe I can do this Jesus-like life, and maybe I, I can preach the gospel and, and tell others about the Lord, and then everybody loves me. Everybody will love me, and we'll all be friends, and everything will be good. I'll, I'll be able to please God, and I'll also be able to have lots of friends saved and unsaved. And Jesus says, don't fool yourself. The servant is not greater than his Lord. Let me say that again. The servant is not greater than his Lord. Jesus said, if they persecute me, they will persecute you. They will treat you badly. Jesus says in John 16 that they will put you out of synagogues. That, they will, that those who kill you will think that they do God's service. They, they're doing wrong thinking that they're doing right in the eyes of God. That's this crazy thing. And Jesus says, they will kill me. Jesus, Jesus was killed because they accused him of blasphemy. That he was the son of God. So they thinking they were doing God's service, they killed God's son. Think about that. That's how also the apostles were killed many times. Is they were preaching a false news, a false worship, a false faith. And the chief priests or the Pharisees or whoever, they would kill the apostles and other Christians and other believers. You guys following me in this? That if we follow Jesus and he had a certain result, can we not expect the same result if we live? I mean, if two plus two equals four for Jesus, and if I put two and two together, what am I going to get over here? Not five, not six, not three. I'm going to get four. Absolutely. Thank you for the answer, Joe. Joe's giving me hints like it's a math test or something. You seem well practiced in that, Joe. Maybe we should tell you that. Just kidding. The world hates us because they hate Jesus. Let me say that again. The world hates us because they hate Jesus. He is the one we follow and serve, and because of that, we have earned their hatred. Jesus is keeping his disciples from that deceive. Already told you guys about that. Keeping them from deceiving themselves, giving a reality check. But there is an encouraging part of this verse. Did people become believers when Jesus was on earth? Everybody together. Yes. Did people become believers? Were, were there people who got saved when Jesus came? Yes, absolutely. Jesus says, if they kept my word, if they obeyed my word, if they hear the gospel and obeyed the gospel, like Romans 10 talks about, if you say the same words, you're going to get the same result. Isn't that encouraging? That Jesus, yes, he lived and he preached the gospel and was hated by people. But then he also was preaching the gospel and then turned to love by some people. We will have that same thing. That if I preach the gospel, some people will hate me. But I will also preach the gospel and some will come to Christ. Let me say this, that God is still saving. I said God is God is still saving, guys. God is still saving lost, sinful people who deserve nothing but hell. And he's still saving them. So we should still be sharing. I said we should still be sharing. I said we should still be sharing. If he's still saving, we should still be sharing the gospel and helping others to come to that same faith. Verse 21, but all these things they will do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. Brother Alex. Will they hate us because of how we look? 
Brother Alex, will they hate us because my voice sounds weird and it cracks? Brother Alex, will they hate me because I'm not good at sports? Brother Alex, will they hate me for this? Or Brother Alex, nope. No. 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 If you're a jerk, people will hate you because you're a jerk. But if you're just living the right way, preaching Christ and loving Christ and doing the right things, living kindly and nicely according to God's word, and the lost people hate you for it, they may say all those things. They may say you were weird. You're in a cult. You're doing this. You're following some ancient text that, that somebody got wrong. Oh, even I know that it's wrong. And they'll, they'll say blanket statements and wrong facts. And they'll just try to make you feel stupid because they hate you. And it's not because of you. Let me say that again. They hate you because when they see you, they don't see you. They see Jesus instead. And that's why they hate you. Unsaved people, when you give them the gospel, let not jump ahead of myself. They won't hate you because it's you. So don't, when people start hating you, start feeling and thinking like, oh, it's my fault because I'm weird. It's my fault because I'm stupid. It's my fault because I was confrontational with the gospel like Jesus told me to in a manner that Jesus commanded. No, 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 my friend. It's not you that they hate. It's not you. It's not you that they hate. They hate Jesus. And because they hate Jesus and you're living like Jesus and looking like Jesus, they hate you. Why does the world hate Jesus so much? Verse 22, if I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now they both seen and hated both me and my father. The world hates Jesus because they are unsaved and they rejected his truth. And now bear the guilt for rejecting God's son. Let me say that again. The world hates Jesus because they are unsaved and they rejected his truth. And they now bear the guilt for rejecting God's son. Because Jesus came and did all the things that no man had ever done and spoke like no man had ever spoke. He clearly and evidently established that he was God's son. And the Messiah, through many infallible proofs, the Old Testament contains 60 major prophecies and 270 ramifications about the Messiah. Jesus fulfilled every one of these predictions. Amen. The probability of Jesus fulfilling merely eight of the 60 major prophecies is one in 100 billion. To put these odds in perspective, you may remember this. If I were to cover the state of Texas two feet deep in silver dollars, and I were to take a silver dollar off the top somewhere in Houston, mark it with a Sharpie, toss it as hard as I can, and then the state of Texas was mixed and mixed and mixed. The odds of Jesus fulfilling eight of those major prophecies is the same odds of a man being blind and going in the state and picking up that quarter silver dollar on his first try. And yet Jesus fulfilled every prophecy. Amen. Jesus fulfilled every infallible proof that he could need to fulfill. And he did them all. And those who knew the scriptures, the ones who put them on the cross, they're the ones who were writing down scripture. They were the ones who studied. It was their job to study scripture. You don't think that they saw? You don't think that they knew that he was the Messiah? They knew, but they rejected. Jesus said, they have both seen me and the Father, and they have no cloak for their sin. 
They had their eyes think about this. God, did God love the Pharisees? Yes. yes. Did God love the scribes? Yes. yes. Did God love the chief priests? Yes. yes. Did God love the Romans? Yes. And he revealed himself to them because he loved them and wanted to save them. And they rejected him instead. And that's why they hate him. Wait. Hold on, Brother Alex. That makes no sense. And that's what Jesus said. Verse 25. But this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. The world hates Jesus for no good reason, quite frankly. All Jesus, imagine this. Brother Blaine sells everything he has to buy a Lamborghini for Joseph. Gives Joseph the keys to a Lamborghini. Joseph hands the keys back to Blaine and says, I don't want your nasty Lamborghini. And then Joseph hates Blaine for it. That's exactly what, it's, it's stupid and it doesn't make any sense. But that's exactly what happens. That is exact. why does the world hate God so much? Because God loved him. Because God loved them and they rejected his love and they hate him for it. Because they have guilt. They have guilt. They've rejected the Christ. They know he's the Christ. They know that he's God. They rejected him anyway and they hate him for it. And that's why the world hates God. And that's why the world hates you. That's what Jesus said. It makes no sense at all, but that's what it is. Verse 26 through 27, and we'll be done. But when the Comforter, that's the Holy Ghost, has come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, Notice that spirit of truth. Next time you tell a lie, notice that God is the spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father. Verse 26, he shall testify of me. Verse 27, and ye also shall bear witness. You'll, you'll be a witness for the gospel because ye have been with me from the beginning. Let me finish with this. This is the most important part of the whole lesson. Saved it for the end. The advocate or comforter did come at Pentecost. Amen. The Holy Ghost came at Pentecost, just like Jesus said he would, and he will help us testify of the truth of Jesus. We're not alone. I said we're not alone. When you're presenting the gospel and you're intimidated by those who hate you, know, my friend, you're not alone. He's the comforter. That's nice, right? It's like comfort food. It, it makes you feel better. The Holy Ghost is our, he's our friend. He's with us in this fight. You're not by yourself. You're not, it's not like in one of those action movies where it's like this the good guy and he's surrounded by a whole horde of bad guys and it's one guy gets 10 different guys. No, no, no. They are outnumbered by far. They are outnumbered by far because God is on our side and he is with you. And when you share the gospel, when you tell others about the Lord, regardless of if they hate you or not, don't worry about that. I said, don't worry about that. Because God who loves you has promised he will never leave you nor forsake you. God will help you regardless of if people hate you. The world, whole world hates me. So what? Who cares? I don't care. Because they hate me for no good reason. Jesus and I both know it. But God is on my side. And he's my friend. And he's my comforter. And he lives in here. And he promised he'd never leave me nor forsake me. He's my permanent resident. He lives in here with me and he will give me the words to say when I need them to be said. One more question and we'll be done. Last question. Why did Jesus tell us and his disciples this? What? Jesus, what's up with the big bummer speech? Right? You're about to go to the cross. What, what's, what's the deal with the whole? Why did you tell us? John 16, 1. 
Same passage, just a different chapter. These things have I spoken unto you, that, because, for this reason, ye should not be offended. Have you ever been absolutely surprised by people hating you? Don't say it out loud. Have you ever been completely surprised that someone hated you? Have you ever entered a situation expecting love, expecting acceptance, expecting to be received, and find out instead that those you thought you would find acceptance and love with, they instead turned around and hated you in the most unexpected way? That surprised hatred of others can throw you off completely and make you act in a way that you may also find surprising. Jesus wanted his disciples to be ready to be hated so they wouldn't be offended or stumble in their mission to continue taking the gospel to the world. Let me say this. We talked a little bit in the beginning about bracing yourself. That's what Jesus has told us this to do. He says, be ready. The world will hate you. Don't be surprised. Marvel not if the world hates you, First John 3 says. Marvel not if the world hates you. If they hated Jesus, they're going to hate you. So be ready. When you're getting ready to share the gospel, realize the two different outcomes that can happen. They'd be saved. Actually, three. Be saved. They'll hear the gospel and they'll think about it. Or thirdly, they could hate you. They could say some mean things. They could cuss you out. That happened to me. Slam the door in my face. They could say, don't tell me this. Or how that's so hateful of you. That response is very valid. I said that's very, that can happen a lot of times. And don't be surprised if it happens. Don't let the hatred of the world keep you from sharing the gospel with people who need it. Because that person may reject the gospel. Absolutely, they could reject the gospel. But are you going to, because that person rejects the gospel, you're not going to give it to that other person who will accept it? Just keep going. Keep going. So when Jesus says that you shouldn't be offended, imagine you're walking on a road, and this road is the gospel-sharing road, and the hatred of the world is a big block right in front of me. Jesus says, there's a block in front of you. Don't stumble over it. Be ready for that block when it comes. And don't let it, Bob, don't let it hinder your gospel witness. Be ready to be rejected. That will happen. Be ready, but keep sharing. If he's still saving, we should still be sharing. I said, if he's still saving, we should still be, sa- we should still be sharing, right? People need the Lord. People need God. And how shall they hear without a preacher? That's our job, right? Yeah. You guys follow me? If you don't know Jesus Christ... He loves you. He died for you. He rose again from the dead for you to take away your sins so you don't have to go to hell forever. If you're in here and you're unsaved, if you don't know Jesus Christ, He doesn't live inside of you, you never had a moment where you put your faith in Him for salvation and asked Him for mercy, make today the day. He loves you and you don't have to go to hell. If you go to hell, it's not because God sent you there. You sent yourself there. If you go to hell, it's not because God sent you there. You sent yourself there. And he doesn't. He loves you. He wants you to be with him for all of eternity. So if you don't know the Lord, talk to me. Talk to Brother Blaine. We'd love to help you. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Help us not to stumble. 